glad we live near each other. I didn't want to have to walk home alone. I don't know how I made it through practice. I kept thinking about Nicole. Every time I looked and she wasn't there. I think we should stick close together for a while. I mean, we shouldn't go anywhere by ourselves. I'm afraid to, aren't you? But what if the murderer is never caught? We can't spend our whole lives looking over our shoulders. But for the next few weeks, at least, till we see what's going to happen, I think we should be extra careful. All right, but just because something happened to Tommy and Nicole, it doesn't necessarily mean that anybody else is in danger. No, but let's walk back and forth to practice together anyhow. Okay. Your parents aren't home, are they? No. Do you want to come over for a swim later? Maybe. I'll call. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's So Random, a random movie podcast. I'm Heath Lambert. My guest this episode, adding to my accent collection for the show, is Emily Dunlap, host of... Gag Me With a Knife. I almost said Gag Me With a Spoon. God damn it. Gag Me With a Knife podcast, which at first blush, when I first read the name, I was like, ew, who, what, who's going to listen to that? That's horrible and disgusting. And it took me a couple seconds to go, oh, because it gagged me with a spoon in the 80s. Okay, because it's 80s slashers. Got it. How are you, ma'am? I am fantastic. Yeah, the Gag Me With a Knife. People usually love it, I think, once they get it but if they're a little bit younger they're like wait what because they don't know that <laughs> slang but i'm like okay it's about 80 slashers so gag me with a spoon with a slang so we change it to a knife now do you get it and they're like oh okay so yeah it's good to be here and yes accent i'm from tennessee so east east tennessee appalachian i guess my my friends say that i sound like a redneck valley girl so <laughs> it's an interesting combination it certainly is. Well, I got an 80 slasher. I had to have Emily on. Yeah, if you haven't listened, to, go go first off, go listen to Gang with a Knife. It's all about 80 slashers. So much fun. Uh, it's been on hiatus for a little bit, but it's coming back very soon. Yes, yeah, Wednesday. March 2nd. March 2nd. March, Wednesday, March 2nd, and it'll be on every Wednesday. It comes, it's a weekly, every Wednesday podcast, and it, we have a new host, a new co-host with me starting on March 2nd. But we have other stuff you can listen to in the meantime. A lot of episodes. Yeah, there's a lot of episodes every... that I binged yeah, over the they're... course of about three weeks that everybody else can go listen to, too. So Yeah, they're on, like, every platform, basically. So just gag me with a knife. You'll find it. It's a good time. It's a good time. They're funny. You're funny. Thanks. So on my movie this episode, The Majorettes from 1987, a slasher film I had not heard of. And that's one of the great things about Gag Me With a Knife is that there's because it comes mostly from your extensive VHS collection of these oddball little rare. A lot um, of it does, yeah. That and books that I own. There are some, because I like to get them in VHS if I can. Um, a lot of them are very hard to find or very expensive. So if I don't have them, I know of, like, I'm trying to get them. So I have a book of, you know, all these movies. So, Yeah. But most of them do come from my collection because I need to watch them somehow. But, you know, YouTube and Tubi, all that, you know, you can pretty much watch anything now. So Tubi is helpful. They've had a lot of movies that you've done on your show already that I had never heard of. And I'm like, oh, sure enough, there it is on Tubi. Now I can watch it. Hide and Go Shriek and Blood Rage and all these other ones. Because so, you think of And 80... there's some cool oh, DVD companies coming out now. With That's old... true. 
really rare stuff like Arrow, Video Diabolic, Full, Mo Full Moon Features, uh, Vinegar Syndrome, all those. Synapse, uh, tons of stuff are coming out with really rare stuff, so it's cool. Yeah, it's cool that there are people actively trying to preserve this stuff and not let them just fade into... Because even when... I've had terrible movies on this show, but it's good to know that even the worst movie, someone put hard work into that, and it shouldn't just vanish into the ether of eternity. Like, it should be somewhere that it can be, it can be enjoyed at, on you know? some level. I mean, it might not be enjoyed on the level that the person that made it wants it to be enjoyed <laughs> on, but it can be enjoyed on some level by someone, somewhere. Yes. Every movie <laughs> is someone's favorite person. movie, right? Well, I'm somewhere. Sure I'm sure that's not true, but... I don't know about Boarding House or Blood Cult, but, you know, <laughs> probably someone. Yes, there's a lot of people in a lot of movies. Maybe the director, I'm sure, but... But we think, you think of 80s slashers and you, th and you immediately think of Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, you know, you think of the big, the ones that became franchises and became popular, but you guys have done so many that I think part of the reason I've never heard of them, even though I was an 80s kid who would sneak off to the horror aisle and stare at the boxes like, oh my god, I wish I could watch that and that and that and that, which I think a lot of us were. There's still movies that you've done that I've have never remotely heard of because they just I think partially because they just never took off and never became franchises so they didn't like stick in the like, zeitgeist long enough to for anybody to kind of give a shit yeah so. it was a huge subgenre in the 80s and then also at the same time they were bringing in the shot on video so that you could horror movies were made even if they weren't critically acclaimed they made a lot of money and especially being able to record on a video which was a lot cheaper that made you know tons of movies started coming out that way and yeah like we don't really talk about the franchises a whole lot i think we eventually will get to those but there's there's been so much said about those already it's just yeah. it's like why don't we oh and a lot of these movies i don't really suggest you know unless you're just like a <laughs> hardcore slasher fan i don't even suggest you really watch it <laughs> but like listening to our episode on it it's probably enough Unless you're just like a hardcore fan, I'm like boarding house. Not all of them. Not uh, most of them. I would say, yeah, give it a watch. But like, there are a few like boarding house. I wouldn't suggest everyone. It's not. It wouldn't be anyone's cup of tea. But maybe like five people or something. So. Yeah, I definitely have that with my show as well. Just because stuff is chosen at random and you get so much shit on Tubi that no one's ever heard. Of, you know, and it's like really you don't. I appreciate everyone who watches along, but you really some of these you really don't have to because. Well, some people are like, well, I need to watch the movie before I listen to the podcast on it. And I used to be like that about um, yeah. my other favorite podcast that's about 80 slashers is The Hysteria Continues. I wouldn't listen to an episode unless I'd seen the movie. But then I realized, I was like, maybe I don't want to see the movie. So let me just listen to this first. Because, I mean, I don't really care to be spoiled on a movie that's 40 years old. So Right. <laughs> because, like, for this show, I did an episode on intruder which somehow despite its pedigree i had never heard of before and it was this that's beautiful, the first one i listened to this wonderful little thank you yeah. this wonderful little gem that i had never heard of and i was like oh my god how have i a horror guy how have i never heard of this movie yeah it was kind it's of a, lost i'm not a the, fan of sam raimi but i'm a fan of this guy like i think he i think he took everything good that sam raimi taught him and put it into a movie i because I, I know that's an unpopular opinion people can hate me for that I like the first evil that that's about it I'm, I'm not a big fan sam raimi fan i'm not a bruce campbell fan but i do love intruder and i love the little things that i can tell he took from working with sam raimi and being his friend like those little you know signs in the back all that stuff like i, I love that 
um, I can't, Todd Spiegler, is that his name? Something, Scott, Scott, uh, something Spiegler. Is yeah, it's been a while, I don't remember, <laughs> but something like that. Yeah, um, a friend of Sam Raimi. Yeah. I mean, he was, he, you know, co-wrote Evil Dead too. so he was like, you know, in their friend group, so. Well. Yeah, Intruder, I was surprised you hadn't seen it either, so. Yeah, I had never heard of it, and I've also done. I did. I did uh, *Summer Funny Massacre* too, which I had. I had never seen, but I had heard of uh-huh. and knew knew that box intimately from when I was a kid. Like, what is a guitar with a drill on it? What the hell is happening? You know. And then never got around to watching it until I got it for the show. But so I had that, and I've had some sort of newer kind of cheap on Tubi slashers, but not you know not too many of these old. So it's nice to get back to the old '87. That's like. That's your that's your heyday kind of right there. So well, you know, a lot of people would say the heyday was like eighty one, eighty two. That's when like the the yeah the ones that were more critically acclaimed. I guess not not really critically, but critically by fans. But they were also a little bit darker. And I'm not a big fan of the early slash early eighty slashers as much as I am of the eight eight late eighty slashers because that's when they were kind of just let's have fun with this and it's not. Um, a big deal and let's have a lot let's have parties and it's, it just feels like the vibe is a lot lighter for me so i like the later ones more. yeah because the formula the formula has been established by the bigger and earlier movies so you don't have to sort of explain to the audience what a slasher movie even is like they know what it is you can just hit the ground running and go with whatever your premise is right. Um, this one though is a little bit different yeah, this one has i'm torn because i don't think this is a very good movie per se but it is doing some very interesting things maybe not good things but interesting things i think yeah that you're not gonna find perhaps with good reason <laughs> in any other slashers really like there's yeah, a, there's a lot going on here those... plot wise that is strange and interesting <laughs> yeah there's a it's it's i say this about actually a couple of movies in the podcast that i do but this one really doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be there is so much going on like it's the slasher and i and i understand the uh, killer's thing you know his motive that's that's been done that that whole thing so that that i understand that that's fine but this whole si- subplot there are like two subplots of this inheritance and then the subplot of the thugs it's just like uh, uh, where is, is this an action movie like it's near the end when it's like goes all full rambo and i'm yeah. like what what's happening <laughs> like yeah, there's more gun everywhere. gunplay and explosions in this movie than you usually get in your typical 80s slasher. Well, you don't get guns in 80s slashers usually. Because that's not a slasher, that's a shooter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like two different movies and an episode of Murder, She Wrote slapped together in a weird, almost tasty sandwich that just leaves a weird taste in your mouth. Uh, it's directed yeah. by a guy named Bill Hinsman, who, if you're a big he horror played, head, that name might sound familiar. Go ahead. Yep. Yeah. He yeah, played... the, I mean, the OG zombie in Night of the Living Dead. That's him. Yeah, the know. famous one the, whose face you've seen on T-shirts. And, yeah. And he's also in the movie. He plays the sergeant. So. Yes, and, and this movie's also written by a guy named John Russo, who co-wrote Night of the Living Dead. And Return of the Living Dead. Yes. And this so is based I mean, on... He has a good repertoire. Yeah, this has, an, again, a movie with an <laughs> odd sort of pedigree for what it is. <laughs> it's like... What happened? Um, yeah, he wrote this movie based on a, apparently on a book, a novel that he wrote, which is, I don't know, <laughs> that's a book worth reading or not, but... Yeah, I'd skim it, maybe. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, let's just get right into it. The ma- the majorettes, we start with a dancing photo shoot, which is yeah, very, very, very 80s, very mid-80s. They don't have batons in it either. 
until after you they in their pictures they don't have their batons and then they have them in the locker room and i'm like well how do you even know that they're not gymnasts or something yeah why are they just taking pictures without their batons i just it, it was bothering me. and i also think because majorettes aren't really a thing anymore are they i mean it's been a they long never, time since okay. i was in high school but <laughs> i i had notes about this and i was um they never were i mean cheerleaders would be like the ones that were like the whole thing is like they're the most beautiful and desirable and blah 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 blah, blah. and i was like but that wasn't really ever the definition of the majorette <laughs> I mean, of course, I mean, I guess they were at some schools, but usually, like, wouldn't it be the cheerleaders or the dance team? I don't know. But, I'm, I mean, are majorettes even, do, does it even exist? I suppose at a college level, maybe, they they're anymore. part of, they're kind I, of. I mean, we didn't have any at our school. In with so. the marching band or something, but at a high school level, no. I don't think that's even a thing that exists anymore. So, this might be a very confusing film for younger people. Yeah, I mean, I knew what they were, but I, I didn't know what they were from experience. Like from personal experience, I knew what they were just knowing that they had existed. Because they're not the they're not the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders are a separate entity that we don't deal with in this movie at all. We yeah. see them at one point out on the field, but they're on the field at, like during the practice with the band. I don't know why, because I was a cheerleader. We never practiced. <laughs> like we did dances to band, like to songs that the band did, but we learned the dances based off of like the tapes of the band. And then did them at the football games while the band played up in the stands. We didn't ever like go out there with them and no. do dance. So I, I guess it's. I think it's exclusively a band thing that they had majorettes, a band majorette. I don't think they just did stuff on their own. And they weren't good either, by the way, because there's a part where they cancel practice, like an after practice or something. Because usually they have this extra practice, and I'm like, well, you clearly have never had an extra extra practice because y'all couldn't do what <laughs> you couldn't do anything. Well, because it's because like, it's an '80s slasher. The, the opening credits are playing over these girls in unitards trying to dance, and a guy taking pictures of them. My first thought instantly, and it's not a thought I would have with a movie made after 2010, maybe at the latest, is how long until these girls are in the shower not because that's what i want but because it's just gonna it's gonna happen it's going to happen because it's 1987 you know it does not take long mm -mm. <laughs> it's a matter of two minutes maybe there's a pervy janitor named uh, henry immediately i mean yeah who yeah, is taking he hates taking his own pictures from through a vent in like the crawl space behind the fucking walls of this high school locker yeah, room. He's created like a hole, like a Porky's hole, but it's like way bigger than they should have been able to see that. But okay, we'll move on. I mean, like there, that, that hole is so big for him to get that camera in there. There's no way that he would be hiding it. Uh, but, uh, you know, they have to have it in the movie. So I digress, even though. I'll get to the whole thing with why I don't really think they needed to have the camera, but that, you know, that's later. Yeah, it's part of the whole lot of everything that's going on. I mean, it um, is, but at the same time, it, there's a question I have about that that I'll ask you later. You can let me know. Sure. Because it's just, when I saw it, I was like, this doesn't make any sense, but it, it's how they get to the who the person is. So, anyway. There's a conversation between the girls in the locker room as they're standing around in towels or without, because... 1987 Who cares? Yeah. about the janitor and he yes about him and the one girl is like 
I, um, Vicky. Vicky. Vicky's like, he's okay because his mom, um, or she's, she's like, oh, just give him a break, I guess. And everyone else is like, well, you're just saying that because you're, um, because his mom takes care of your grandmother. And that's basically that whole conversation is just to get to the point that Vicky is somehow in relations, not related to, but she has some kind of bond with this, not, not a bond, but you know, there's a reason that she would take up for him, I guess. And yeah, by and the way, he's a country, he's a country bumpkin and his mom is from <laughs> Germany, which makes no sense, but okay. Yeah. His mom sounds like she wolf of the SS, like. <laughs> oh, she, she was a nurse during, during World War II and, and for, you know, Nazi Germany and her son talks like he's, you know, me. So. <laughs> Rude to yourself. Yeah, it's not so much that Vicky and he are friends or anything, just that, like, he's always... Because they're like, that dude is so creepy. But he's, yeah, he's always creeping around her house, and he's never done anything weird to her. So she's like, oh, I'm sure, you know, he's fine. Don't worry about him. He's never been weird to me. I think her basis of craziness is off anyway, because she lives in this house. Because the next scene, I was taking notes, and I was like, are we in a church? Yeah. The house is the weirdest house I've ever seen in my life, and... The nurse is the weirdest person. Her grandmother is the worst actor, face actress, because I guess she's mute, but she makes one face the whole time, which will come, you know, come back around to near the end when she talks about how her face is different because her face doesn't change. It's just a weird situation that she's living in to begin with. So I mean, I don't know who she is to say that someone is weird or not. Yeah, the house, like the film, is full of religious iconography and symbolisms there's all kinds of statues of saints and angels and things and we take a good long time looking at them all as we pan through the house i thought we were in a church i thought the next scene was a church scene because it took so long just like showing stained glass and just church figurines and stuff like that so i was like oh it's a house what yeah, it's okay. all in elvira's house who is vicky's grandma who had a stroke or something she's in a wheelchair she can't talk she can't really even react to anything which will uh, yeah. work in the nurse's favor. Helga is her name. No, I mean, okay, and yeah, because the nurse is sitting there basically telling the whole plot line of, we're going to, you know, who knows when I'm going to kill you, but I am going to kill you and you can't do anything about it because you can't talk. And okay. I guess we really don't know why at this point. Well, but... first she's telling her that she's going to sell or like when you, oh, I can't wait. When you die, I'm going to sell all this. See all this shit you've collected that you love so much. I'm selling all of it. <laughs> like, and she just has to Who's sit there and listen to it. Stuff in this bumfuck town. Sorry. I mean, sorry for cussing. But oh, who's gonna no, buy this please. Stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who's going to buy this stuff in this town? I mean, you, you're going to have to go to some, like, um, I don't know, some Catholic church, like, out out in the big city or something. No one wants to buy that. Well, I mean, I she did. And she's probably, you know, <laughs> probably 20 more people just like her. This, you know, <laughs> religious crazy, so... But we don't know much about Grandma because she never says anything. And we just see her getting pushed around in a chair the whole time. So we don't know how religious crazy she was other than looking at her house and going, oh, well, that's <laughs> that's a crazy person. Yeah. And we really, at this point, we don't know why Vicky lives with her either. That hasn't been revealed. No. So, I mean, because after the, that scene that where she says she's going to kill her eventually, um, that well, she, she actually says she's going to kill Vicky and then she's going to kill the grandmother. So she makes sure that she tells her that she's going to have to deal with the fact that she's going to 
kill her granddaughter first. So she has to deal with that, I guess. And then we cut to a you know um, a car going into a lover's lane type scenario. Nicole and Tommy. Nicole and Tommy out in the woods in their car. And here's where the first, and it doesn't last very long because, well, it kind of set, lays seeds for things for the rest of the movie, but I found it very interesting because it's not a conversation you're going to find in a movie like this very often. Oh, God. What a bizarre thing. Nicole is coming on to Tommy like like a hard, like trying to get this guy to fuck yeah, her in this like, car. No, I don't know. I'm a nervous nerd. Yeah. Go for it, dude. Like, you need to go for this. This is your only chance. Yeah, she's practically begging for it, and he's like, I don't know, like, I don't know, this is weird that, it's not even that, like, his radar is up, that he's, that something's going on, he's just, like, he's that guy who just doesn't, like, he's not good with the ladies, let's say. Yeah. And, given any resistance from him whatsoever, she breaks down and is like, oh, no, you're right, we can't do this, because here's the deal, I'm pregnant already. This is the most bizarre thing. <laughs> But it's such a... I've never heard this conversation in a horror movie before. No, like it's this such an so interesting... Like, what? And I wish it... I wish she would... I mean, she's about to die. I wish she would have lived a little longer so that we could have explored this a little well, more. I think we could have explored it more through um, Mace because he does know about it, but it never really gets... There's like one more conversation about it and then it never really... Yeah, Mace is busy with other things. <laughs> but... So. Yeah, she has gotten knocked up by Mace, the town drug dealer... And she doesn't yeah, want dope, anybody to know that. So she, her plan was to hook up with this Tommy kid and say that he was the father, just so she could because pin it on she someone thinks else. She's gonna, she thinks he's going to go somewhere with his life. So she wants to have someone, like a father, that's like going to have a good job and not be a doper, I guess. Yeah, and also to avoid... Mace, Mace is a doper. with a, He's a dope pusher. That's what Tommy calls him. Yeah, it seemed to me, maybe I had a different read on it, but it seemed to me less that she was concerned about the child's welfare in the future and more about, like, oh, my God, what, is, what are people going to say when they find out I slept with Mace? Yeah, but what are they going <laughs> to say when they find out it's this virgin nerd either? That's why, because she does say something about, you're going somewhere with your life. That's the only reason I kind of thought, well, maybe she's trying to get out of this town. It could be. Because I don't think either of those are, like, good reputation points but he's a nice boy who could you know if, if you're gonna and she does trap somebody advice, <laughs> which I is guess. what she's trying to do and, and she yeah she asked for his advice which i thought was bizarre because i don't really she says she hasn't told anybody but mace and him and i'm like you don't know him either really but okay. no and it's another moment where well he also doesn't know her and because her friends are mystified that like why was she even out in a car with tommy of all people yeah, like that's exactly. crazy nobody likes tommy but this is and it's come up a number of times in a number of movies on this show where gentlemen trust your gut if you're the nerdy dude and the hot girl at school or the hot girl at the office or wherever you're at is coming on to you out of nowhere for no reason run away because that is a trick or a trap or something is going on <laughs> That you are unaware of. Yeah, it always is. And it's not worth yeah, it. Yeah, it always will. Anyway, so, in every movie I've ever seen. But. And our killer appears on the roof of the car, right? Just boof, out of nowhere, kind of. Yeah. Who, not well, the... Well, you see the POV. You see, yes, you see the POV of, of, of the killer first, which is actually kind of interesting because at this point in Slashers, by 1980, well, it was filming in 1986, but by this point, they weren't doing the POV as much as they used to in the early Slashers, so I thought it was pretty interesting they were kind of bringing that back. Not not the most iconic 
<laughs> look for this killer, let's say. You know, Jason has his hockey oh, mask, Freddie has the sweater and the burned face. This guy's just a camo from head to toe jumpsuit, which while yeah. realistic and probably easy to get your hands on, and I guess useful when you're stalking around the woods, but this is the only time you kill someone in the woods, so the rest of the movie, <laughs> his camo suit is pretty ineffective in a locker room or a suburban home, so I don't know. It's a bizarre, it's a bizarre <laughs> costume. Yeah, and I guess he is. He stabs through the top of the um, car, and she runs, and he pulls Tommy out and slits his throat. Well, and right. Tommy does not react. No. The way neither that he should. Really, uh, honestly, initially, neither of them really, like, I paused it on their faces, <laughs> and neither of them really react. Like, like I think I would if a knife came through the top of my car. Both of them are kind of just like, uh. I mean, maybe maybe they're so frazzled and caught up in the conversation that they just had and trying to decide what to do about that. But I don't care how distracted you are. Yeah, if a big knife comes through the roof of your car out of nowhere, and Tommy looks at it like, huh, weird. <laughs> like, no, he should be screaming his head off and running. But yeah. he does not, and that's why he gets got immediately. And she gets a pretty good head start on this. She runs, and he's still hasn't killed Tommy yet. She gets out before he slits his throat. So she's already gotten a pretty good head start. I think in reality she would have gotten away. But she does fall once. Of course. And then he catches up to her pretty quickly. And that's well, when I don't think he should have been able to catch up with her that quick. But he stabs her and she gets away. And then she can, then she just decides to hide behind the tree. For that's her mistake. Instead of continuing yeah. to run, she stops to like hide and like oh you know catch her breath for a second and that's when he gets her don't stop but i thought i thought he caught up to her the first time a little too quickly but you know whatever but yeah the the standing behind the tree was the end of her so he yeah. um he stabs her in the chest or stomach i think it's a, it kind of looks like in between but the main thing is that he does is he slits their throats and then he kind of carries her to a little creek area i guess of these woods and baptizes her and it so but it's cut with what you think is a flashback for it feels a like it it feels like a flashback because all the other scenes this happens you hear is there's like a auditory flashback while he's doing it but in this one there's a visual what looks like a flashback but then it actually just cuts to the next scene which is a baptism in a lake that this community like church community of like 20 people are are watching so. Yeah, they're they're really setting up and really pushing hard their their religious imagery and stuff. He's dunking her body in the and, it, and there's important story reasons for it. But yeah, it looks like a flashback of like maybe she's remembering getting baptized or something, but it's not. Yeah, it's this other I baptism like that. that's happening the like next day or something. Just a bunch of people standing by the uh, river or lake or whatever it is. It's the, yeah, it's like the congregation, but then also, have you ever? I mean, you know, I'm I don't really go to church anymore. I used to, but like I've never seen a church congregation where the cop or the sheriff in town wore his full uniform to church, but he does. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't church. care for that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's just kind of weird. I you know I think that's like the one place you're not supposed. To, I don't know. You're just supposed to be like a layman, but okay. Sure. One would hope, uh, but... I mean, and that scene is only really there... Well, it's there to show that it's just actually not a flashback, but an actual baptism, and then he gets called away by the sergeant because of this murder. Yeah, a guy comes running up and is like, hey, I'm sorry to interrupt you at, at Weirdo River Church, but we have to... Like, some kids got murdered. 
So I need you. So he has to run off and deal with that. Sheriff uh, Braden is his name. Yeah, and then it cuts to... Okay, so I originally thought that this... Uh, it cuts to the scene in the bed. Huh. The detective. Roll, his name is Roland. Roland Martell. I thought it was what... Huh? Roland Martell, yes. Yeah, Roland Martell. And I thought that um, the girl was actually a majorette, but it's the majorette's coach. <laughs> yeah, I did I too. thought that was... So first I was like... Okay. So they're so I get it's legal. Um it's the Majorette's coach though. And so th- this scene is weird just because they're talking about how she doesn't go to church anymore and then they talk about this philo- their philosophy on like God. And also how he should have he this happens a few times. How he should believe in God because he's a godfather. That doesn't even make <laughs> Yeah, you're taking like, the phrase godfather incredibly literally <laughs> yeah who, who is like can you be the godfather of my child and it's like they take it so seriously it's like they, they, then it's like you know on the same level of the preacher or something i don't know but whatever yeah that i mean He's that's the, the origin of, of it that's the roots of that word and, and that concept but i don't think people pay attention no, to that no. anymore except and i don't even know who who's his it might, maybe someone that's in the movie i'm not sure we just know that he it never comes up again so it doesn't really matter <laughs> Yeah, so he gets called, but he gets called while he's talking about God and his philosophy about God, which he you know, doesn't really have a lot of faith, I would say. And during this conversation, he gets a call that he needs to come in for this crime scene, but he's all like, you know, this typical sheriff detective, I'm coming in and I hope that they are okay with it because we always fight. Kind of. Well, and he also flat out. If I remember correctly, it's been a while since I took my notes, but he flat out tells her they're in bed, like they're having their religious debate when she she is and he isn't, and he gets the call. And does he not just flat out tell her like, "Oh, two of your students have been murdered." Bye. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. and so and so, or yes. Nicole and who who you you coach and some kid named Tommy are dead out in the yes, woods. I, I gotta I, go. I said it. Yeah. In my notes, I say. Um, maybe worst actor in the movie at this point because the way he says it to her, he's like. These kids have been murdered, and you probably know this one. Bye. Yeah. It's just not good. I mean, it's literal bedside m- manner, and it's not very good. Like, that conversation can wait until you have more details, maybe? Or, you know, she's, I don't, yeah. I don't know. But it just seems weird to drop that on your girlfriend on your way out the door. And then it's just, like, really, really quickly cut to the crime scene, and then you have the typical detective beef with the sheriff of, like, oh, you're going to come in and take this over, blah, blah, blah. And then the detective um, says that he thinks the killer is going to kill again because of how brutal it is. And the sheriff's like, well, what do you, what? It seems like you want someone to die. And then it just cuts again to the football practice. So. Yeah, where uh, Mace, the dope pusher that we have heard so much and about. His, the crew. His gang of. <laughs> his gang of like hillbilly crew because they're all wearing like Confederate flag patches and stuff. One guy in particular um, is obsessed with it, but. Yeah. Yeah, none of them well, look also, terribly in the trailer, intimidating. They have a huge one. <laughs> yeah, they they come up to Harry, um, Harry's watching with his binoculars, and the thug crew comes up and they're like, "You owe us money for toot." And I th- okay, he says that he owes. What he says he owes is um a hundred and a half. So is a hundred and a half a hundred fifty? That's what I'm guessing. I don't know anyone that says it like that. Or a hundred dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> Yeah, that, I, yeah. I was like, is that, that exactly? I was like, I don't. Okay, so he says he, that he only has eighty three dollars. Well, that's most of it. So I don't know why like Mace is in such a big, you know, he had has such a timber tantrum about it. But he's like, you have a deadline. I'm gonna wait till you get paid. 
Also, stick it to for him. a high school janitor in 1986 to be carrying around, I'm, it's rare that I'm carrying around $86 in my pocket. And that's like in 1980, that's a, that's a good chunk of change to be for a janitor to be carrying around. Where do you get this money? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I just thought it was funny too that like the mace is like, okay, so when do you get paid again? We'll wait till then. That's your deadline. Oh, yeah, hit him where it hurts is your paycheck. I mean, yeah, you're not, I mean, okay, cool. Well, first so they, wait till he has money again. First, nice. they try to coerce him into like, well, you know, you can pay us back. You could sell drugs for us at the school. And he's like, yeah, I'm oh, not, yeah, and he's like, I'll I'm get fired. Not doing I'm that. Like, <laughs> I'm like, but you, but you, you're not worried about the fact that you're, um, you know, watching girls in the shower, but you know, God forbid you sell drugs at school. Yeah, it's 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 clear that well, I guess maybe it's not clear. I don't know if we're supposed to take that Harry is just a dumb hick idiot, or if he actually is like autistic or has some sort of he seems mentally what's the word <laughs> delayed in some yes. way well That's... also i mean I'll, we'll go back to the fact that i don't think they fleshed this character out at all anyway because his mom is german and he has no and he has a country accent so yeah there's that. i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything i don't understand this character except for that he you know he's his mama's baby and he's gonna help her with you know later stuff and he has been helping her, but we don't yeah. know about Maybe it. in the book, there's a whole backstory where maybe they, he was born in Germany and she sent him to America with the father to live while she stayed to be a Nazi there or whatever. And then came back and then she came over and I, who knows? Maybe the book has yeah, that, but I it's mean, not in the movie at all. So no, we can only no. guess. So, you know, he has this deadline. Obviously, also, um, we have our red herrings, which are Harry and Mace. Um, now we have two of them and then it cuts to the star quarterback Jeff and Majorette Judy mm-hmm. um, and they're having their first conversation of two conversations they have of the same thing and it's so annoying they, they're not even seniors yet this is, apparently this is still, they're still in the summer it's not even school hadn't even gone back yet it's going back in two weeks so they have a whole year but they're already fighting continuously about if he gets a scholarship for football, which apparently he's probably not going to because the coach is already like, you're not doing well. So, okay. But she doesn't want him to leave her. Well, then why doesn't she get her grades up like the Matrix coach said and she would help her find financial aid? But this is going to be a fight that Jeff and Judy have throughout the movie. Like, you're going to leave me and I don't trust you and who cares? No one cares. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of the only conversation that they have other than they do let us know here that Vicky's parents died in a car crash, and she's a year older than all of her friends. Which is the next scene they go shopping with Vicky. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they, I don't, they, well, they go shopping in the next scene, and then that's when they have this conversation that she casually talks about her parent, Vicky casually talks about her parents dying in a car crash. Yeah, she's making um, a big deal about his, the, the college thing, which, yeah, again, her coach is like, this is an easy later, fix. Too. You can go to college, too, you know? And she's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not going to college. <laughs> like, yeah, well, okay, the, then. The, the, coach is, the coach is, like, trying to help her out, and she's, like, just completely disregards her. And she's like, no, I won't bring my grades up, and I will not listen to you about financial aid. He is not going to fulfill any of his dreams. So he has to stay here and go to some stupid fucking community college. The end. I mean, I'd be pissed at her, too. She's a shitty girlfriend. Yeah, and I wonder if, either on purpose or by accident, if it's thematically tied to... Because we already saw one girl very directly trying to 
quote unquote trap a man with this baby that's not his and now she's kind of trying to do the same thing to Jeff of like oh you might like I'm trapping you here with me in this small town and you can't have any aspirations to get out of here and go be something else you know I wonder if that in writing I mean, it if I, that was I on their mind or it, not but yeah I mean maybe maybe that's just how they think about women I don't know <laughs> that, but, um, it's possible as well when, when at the mall when I guess they're at they said they were going to the mall, but they're really just eating somewhere. So I'm assuming that it's been like the mall food court. But Jeff, all, uh, you know, after Deb or Vicky saw the car crash, Jeff admits that he saw Mace and Nicole at the drive-in and she was crying. So he thinks in his head, his, his idea is that Mace has been like beating her up. Now we know actually the reason she's crying is that she is pregnant and he's trying to get her to have an abortion. That's the reason she was crying at the drive-in. But Jeff thinks that he's been beating her up because that's why else would Nicole be with Mace at the drive-in? Which, yeah, at the very least is makes Mace, either way, makes Mace a suspect. And he's... And at the same... Yeah, and then finally someone questions Nicole being with Tommy. That's at that point. Someone's finally like, why was she even with Tommy? And I'm like, why was this not a question earlier? But okay. Yeah, Jeff even says, like, it's like she's bouncing from man to man. Like, <laughs> I mean, she yeah. was, but... Uh, yeah, and he's like, I really should probably go talk to the police about this. And the girls are like, yeah, you shouldn't do that, because Mace will fucking kill you. <laughs> if he finds yeah. out... I, I, mean, I, mean, I feel like that's more reason to tell, to, but... Right. Uh, but then it kind of just cuts to two majorettes. One of them, I think... Okay. In the Wikipedia, this is wrong. Uh, it's wrong. The name is wrong. And I made sure to change it. It says that Shirley's the one that has the pool, but her name is actually Barbara because her name is written on the note written by her mom that they're going to be like leaving. So there's two major med, uh, majorettes, Shirley and Barbara. They're walking home together. Shirley thinks that they should stick together. And Barbara's like, basically, like, shut up. You're being stupid. Like, we can't be together all the time. And I'm like, well, I mean, it, it, and, she, and Shirley makes a good point. She's like, just for right now, like, you know, right after our friend got killed, like, you know, maybe could we just, like, walk home for practice together? You know, and Barbara kind of thinks she's being an idiot, and all right. So Barbara yeah, it's goes someone in house. a slasher movie being smart for once and getting yeah, poo-pooed for it. Those, and yeah, in, in, those, in those situations, the other person is usually like, why are you being an idiot? That's so stupid. <laughs> okay. So Barbara goes into her house. She finds a note that her parents are gone, but her mom is actually still there, but she's leaving. So it doesn't really matter. And she gets ready to go swimming. She gets a phone call from Shirley and is like, are you going to come over? Okay. So we don't know if Shirley's coming over or not, but it doesn't really end up mattering because while she's swimming, she gets her throat slit, which I did make a note that, you know, he made a good decision on this one because he was already, you know, she's already in a position where she could be baptized very easily. So, yeah, how lucky for him. Good thing she had a pool. <laughs> he just walked right into that one. Well, he was watching her yeah. from outside for a while, and there wasn't a lot of tension built, though, but there was some of him watching that I was just like, okay, we know what's going to happen. I'm not like, the suspense isn't killing me right now. Yeah, and a bit of her like, oh, is someone in the house with me? Oh, no, okay. I'll turn my back now. Oh, did I hear something? Oh, no. Okay, I guess I'll get in the pool. And But yeah, what doesn't help this movie also is that the kills are so, there's not a creative, they're all the same. There's no creative yeah. kills. You're not waiting for like, oh, cool, there's, he got somebody with a 
pitchfork or he got you know pushed somebody into well, a and it, bandsaw of, or it something seems almost ritualistic yeah it seems almost ritualistic that he does the you know like yes. either the stomach or the heart and then the slits the throat but he doesn't do the the i don't think he does the the heart or the stomach whatever in one in this one maybe it's maybe it's just the slitting of the throat i don't know it seems there's something symbolic about it but that part's never fleshed out we never find out anything about that part of the ritual so there's no reason that you can't have more creative kills yeah realistically plot wise it makes more sense that he's doing the same mo every time instead of just finding whatever weapon is laying around to kill people with in a fun way but it's not as interesting to watch yeah you know? no no not at all it gets so, a little uh, tedious. <laughs> I'm assuming Shirley was coming up. The only way that I can think of that, that her body is found so quickly is that Shirley was going to come over because they found Barbara's body. They're, the next scene is the police finding the body in the pool, and it's that night. And somehow every child that lives in that neighborhood is standing outside watching, including Jeff and Judy. But they, the Emmy the Emmy talks about how the uh, the... the pool's heated so he can't tell time of death and then he starts talking about how she was pregnant which is a really big kind of or he starts telling them that nicole was pregnant he's like, like about your other body yeah nicole was pregnant and then they just cut him off like in the middle of the sentence they don't like they don't give a shit at all and i was like that's kind of a big deal but uh, okay could go to motive but whatever yeah um, and it also makes it easier to understand why this medical examiner seems like he wants to be anywhere else <laughs> like and oh, it's mostly like, just like, the acting let me do my line and get the hell yeah here. but he's like okay gentlemen here's you know he's just very flat and very see ya. <laughs> but, but maybe it was a character like, choice of like they always beat me down so why should i be excited about yeah. my job <laughs> they, like she was pregnant and they're like well and i'm like why did you just okay whatever but it's important um, here detective roland does figure out he's like oh this seems ritualistic and it seems yes. The purification ritual with the like because there's water both times which seems very and purposeful and then the sheriff disagrees with him yeah which yeah given it's an interesting choice given what i mean spoiler alert the sheriff's the fucking killer <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting that he isn't like that's fucking stupid look somewhere else and like trying to dissuade him like he's actually helping him solve his own <laughs> case kind of he's you know he should and be maybe maybe just to throw him off throw him off and make him think it's not him but at the same time jeff and judy are there and so jeff goes to talk to the sheriff about mace his uh, stuff about mace he's like i have to i've got to tell someone now and after the we don't see that conversation because it cuts straight to the strip club his pe- where mace well and his, uh, i'm gonna his go ahead and put club. strip club in air quotes because yeah, i thought it was just a i thought it was a biker bar for like yeah. five seconds and then i was like oh there's like a dancer I guess is a strip club but it, yeah it's like one dancer yeah it's just like a regular hole in the wall bar where it does not have a it's stage a with one woman dancing yeah they have just cordoned off a section like a corner <laughs> just flat on the ground with lights for her to stand in and dance so <laughs> it's not yeah. there is a stripper there it is not a strip club <laughs> by any reasonable definition. Um, the, uh, the only reason they have the scene is to talk about how Mace, because Mace comes in, all his friends are there. Mace comes in and it's like, apparently he had been with the cops because of what Jeff had told him. Yep. Had told them, good job telling him that it was Jeff, idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> why would you tell like the town thug, like, oh, this is. Um, yeah. This who told is, you this that? Who that guy. Stuff. Bad um, idea. But, uh, 
you know, so this whole scene is to set that up and also to show what I thought was hilarious. Uh, Margaret. He's like, I don't know why they, they would think that I would beat Nicole up. And then all he does is berate his girl, other this other girl, Margaret. He's like, shut the fuck up, bitch. Shut up. I'll, I'll kill you. And it's just like, well, I wonder why. Yeah, that is the only conversation throughout the movie that these two will ever have is her. Because she's well, like, I'm his, I'm his alibi. Like, I'm totally going to keep him out of jail because I'm his alibi. And he's like, why don't you shut the fuck up? <laughs> like, yeah, she's, she's being nice to him. It, it, like, later on, she's just addressing him. She's just like, hey. And he's like, fuck you. And I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, and at the trailer, she's like, here, I poured you a drink. And he's like, shit, sit the fuck down. <laughs> what a piece of shit. <laughs> I know. Um, poor so Margaret, like, leave, scene, girl, I, leave. Yeah, at the end of the scene, I, I wrote, you know, maybe Mace is going to shoot Jerry. Because they have this gun that apparently the the lugs are not traceable or something like that. Because it's like an antique gun. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be able to trace the gun. But okay. I think it doesn't have rifling the way that newer guns do or something. Yeah, but you know. But then that should make it stand out more. Oh, it's the only gun in town that doesn't have rifling. (laughs) Because it's a Confederate musket. So then, then they just cuss to Vicky talking to Helga about how her grandmother seems, <laughs> seems really funny to me. It's like, grandmother seems disturbed. But I, I don't know. I have no idea how she thinks this because grandmother does not change her face. So I don't know what about grandmother makes her seem disturbed or scared or anything. Yeah, she always has almost a pleasant little smile on her face no matter what you're saying to her. <laughs> Even if it's, it's horrific. It's fucking face all the time she has one facial expression so but vicky apparently can read deep into this and is saying you know she seems scared but helga is like well she's probably about to die and that's why (laughs) (laughs) more good bedside manner what a comforting nurse oh if she seems off today it's probably because she's at dead store don't worry about it jesus christ then then it's cut straight to a church scene and the detective it roland right he's talking to the preacher and they have a weird, a really weird conversation about sin and purification of the soul. And the tech, detective knows because of being a godparent, this is important. That's why he knows all of this stuff, because he's a godparent. So that's the second time that this is, like, brought up. So stupid. And then um, he talks about how this particular preacher's church has a more fundamentalist type approach to their baptisms. Yeah, he has come. Maybe because the sheriff goes to that church. Detective Martell has come to this priest hoping to get some insight. I thought it was the detective. I thought, no, it's the detective. Oh, yeah, Martell. Yeah, you're right. Martell. Sorry. I was getting their names confused. That's easy to do. Yeah, I I, I didn't remember either of their names. You did. I I remember Roland, and that's it. So he's come to the priest hoping to get some insight into this cleansing thing. And the priest is more interested in, like, his own like he's like you know we but kind of both do the same job we both fight sin right am i right i'm almost like a cop like we're the equal amount of cool right and martell was just like okay thanks pal bye that was not helpful at all it's just like okay and i i guess you know okay i get the sheriff does go to this church so that is the only thing that that makes sense that they would talk about the type of baptisms because, you know, since the sheriff is the killer, you know, spoiler alert, as you said before, that's how he's trying to baptize people. At the same time, though, I thought, because I didn't remember, I 
I don't remember what I thought about this movie the first time, but it, it had been years. I didn't remember anything about it except for the director and the writer being Night of the Living Dead people. But with all like the flat auditory, at least auditory flashbacks when he's baptizing these girls while he after he kills them, because there's this weird sound that comes out, right? Yeah. I thought there was going to be some backstory of like of why he wanted to purify these girls' souls. What happened to him when he was a kid? Nope. We never get to that. <laughs> no. And then we have this conversation with the preacher where maybe that he that could have been explored, but we still don't get anything. Maybe it's just like he went to a fucked up church. Or in the sequel that they seem to maybe be half-acidly trying to set up at the end of this that never materialized. Maybe they had plans to get into it then. Who knows? But you can never... Don't count on the sequel. Maybe you he was working with the preacher. Out. I mean, that would have made sense if he was working with the preacher. It could be. But... Well, he seems I like mean, the guy who little... would go and confess to his priest, like, oh, God, I've done this stuff, and then the priest can't say anything about it. But Or the priest is like, cool, let me in on this. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like, I, like, I like what you're doing. So back to Judy and Jeff fighting about the same thing they were fighting about. Again. Before. Yeah, they're in the hallway. All the other majorettes, I guess this is after practice, yes. because all the other majorettes have showered, and they're leaving. Well, Judy's been having this same stupid fight about how she doesn't want Jeff to leave. So she hasn't showered yet, and they're like, do you want to, you know, Judy, do you want to ride home? The majorettes are, and she's like, I think Jeff's taking me. Then they continue to fight, and she's like, well, I'm going to go shower, and he's like, well, I'm going to leave because you're a, bit, you're a bitch, basically. So he leaves, or we think he does. He walks out. She goes to shower, and um, this is the only time in the movie that I was like, that's creepy. This is the only time that I was like, good shot, that's creepy. So... You know, I, I mean, it's not a shocker that this, you know, the killer is going to come in and kill her at this moment. That's not, you know, that's not shocking. But seeing him in one of the shower stalls behind her, that was creepy. Through, With like, the frosted glass? On, yeah. Yes, that creeped me out. But, I mean, then he, uh, you know, he comes out and he does the same kill. He slits her in the brother, and then he does a DIY baptism in the shower because he has no <laughs> He has a tub, I guess, so he has to do it in the shower. Which Harry, the janitor, witnesses from his creep hole in the wall. Right. Which so he, we'll he now to... has pictures of, because during the scuffle, she pulls... But the guy never pulls... took his mask off. That, that guy never took his mask off. She pulls it off during their scuffle, doesn't she? We don't get to see I who it is. See. Okay. But I believe I that she the has picture, pulled the... Okay, the picture that we're referring to, the mask is off and shows that it's the sheriff, but I didn't remember her the mask ever being taken off so he, he you do that's good because i was I mean, like that's fucked <laughs> that's my recollection it's all it's also not shot or edited terribly well so i mean it could be right. easy to so miss as well if so. it wasn't in there then it probably was supposed, i mean was definitely supposed to be so allison is walking with Susie and unknown majorette i tried to get all their names but the other girl i never figured out her name it might have been shirley i'm not really sure so she sees that Jeff is in the parking lot still of the high school. And Jeff says, you know, I decided to wait for her. I was, you know, we got in a fight and I said I was going to leave. But she's been in there for a long time. So can you go in there with me and try to find her? So they go in. There's blood everywhere. And Judy falls out of the locker, dead. And, okay, so Judy's dead. And I guess at this point it has to be Mace. But before before any of this stuff, they there are two different scenes where shot that I called them Night of the Living Dead car scenes. 
because you know the opening shot of Night of the Living Dead where you know it's just the mm-hmm. shot of the road and then the car coming. There are two different scenes in this movie that use that. So I thought was um pretty interesting because it's like almost shot by shot. Yeah. Um, and then one is like a reverse of so it's the police driving up to Vicky's house and he knocks but um no one comes to the door but the door is open so he just walks in. I don't know where Elvira is at this point but who cares I guess. There's Helga and Helga has evidence. So she, she wants him to know that she has evidence and she makes him come into the dark room where at first it, she, it's, she just shows that it's like nude photos that Harry took. And she's trying to, at first, try to get the cop to come in so she can be like, I think it's my son that's killed all these girls. But then she has the real evidence, which is a picture that Harry took just seconds before it seems like i don't know what the time difference was between this kill of judy and now but it doesn't seem like that far like i don't know yeah. how he would have processed the picture it seems like 20 minutes later but it must be the yeah. next day because or something they go to make yeah because they go to the warehouse at the same time vicky and jeff these these two things are happening around the same time so i and harry is hasn't even I mean, harry wouldn't have even had time to get home to process this photo but he did so there's a picture of the sheriff killing judy with the mask off so yeah, and her and Harry uh, capture our kill. So it's, they, they, it's, it's they like, attack the sheriff. So it's like the halfway point of the movie, and they've revealed who the killer is to us. Mm-hmm. But I think this is really interesting because they've also now changed, not necessarily changed his motivation, but like now he's been captured by these side characters who are like, no, you're well, going to work this, for us now, kind of. <laughs> this has also changed the movie from being a slasher. This is where the... Yeah. the the slasher ends because the other element, you know, final girl, there's a final girl in this movie. The rest of this movie is more of like an action movie. This is like where the whole tone changes, I think, for me anyway. But they basically, me, like, they're like, okay, we we know you're the one killing people and mm-hmm. we're totally fine with that. But. <laughs> yeah, we're cool because. You cannot because kill this... Vicky until she turns until... 18. Because right, <laughs> as it stands right now, Elvira's will, when Elvira dies... It's all gonna go to Vicky, but once but she turns also, eighteen, her, her parents, her parents set up a trust fund for her. Yes, because they died in a car crash. And she's important. supposed to get like half a million dollars or something. Yeah. But she, uh, once she turns eighteen, so if she dies before that, that all just goes that goes away, and then she but she can still kill Elvira and get the money that Vicky would inherit and the estate. So yeah, so if you or, could just wait. To kill Vicky, the money, uh, yeah, for another so week or two, so yeah. that we can get that money from and her when she turns eighteen. Yeah, we won't tell on you if you'll just wait. And he's so, like, "Yeah, I guess." And and then also, <laughs> the killer, like he says something like, "He's like, but not when when they say something about him killing Vicky, he's like, why Vicky? Like he thinks that she's not, she's not unpure or something, but." It, the only things that he says you have to be to be impure are good looking and desirable. Not even like you you don't you could be like a virgin. If you're pretty, he's gonna kill you. So what is he saying that she's ugly? I don't know. Because uh, yeah, we don't, don't know. know anything about uh, Barbara. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Jeff and Judy have had sex, and clearly Nicola had sex. But he, they, he says something about them being impure um, and desirable enough. Well, Vicky seems to be on her own. If, she doesn't seem if, to have well, a boyfriend. It's basically so. if. He says if they turn him on. So Vicky didn't turn him on, I guess. Yeah, he's got a he's whole like, thing going on. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, whatever. Plot hole. So uh, right after that, Roland gets a phone call from the sheriff while he's eating with the Majorette's coach. 
but by the time he gets to the police station, the sheriff has let Jeff and Judy get, or Jeff and, could, he calls to say Jeff and Vicky are there and that Judy's dead, blah, blah, blah. By the time Roland gets there, he's let Jeff and Vicky leave. So there's really no point. We're back in the high school parking lot, and this is where it turns kind of into Rambo, but um, Mason, his crew, pull up in this van and kidnap Vicky and Jerry while Harry watches. So Harry follows them. <laughs> it almost becomes another... this slapsticky cannibal run yeah. shit where he's like, oh no, they're going to kill Vicky and mom said, mama said we got to wait. So <laughs> I got to follow them. So he jumps in his car and he's chasing them. He's like, mama's going to be mad. Mama's and it's like, what, what movie is this? <laughs> he's like, mama's going to be mad. So <laughs> yeah, because they bring him into this warehouse and when Harry comes in, he's like, she has to live. My mom will pay you. Like, okay, what is he talking about even? Yeah, should require more explanation first off, but... And also, I don't know if Helga would want him, like, you know, speaking on her behalf like that, but... Blabbing it around town, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really matter because they um, shoot Harry, Vicky. Uh, They shoot Harry and Vicky, and... Yeah, it turns into some reservoir dog shit where everybody is pointing guns at each other and... Yeah, there's a lot of shooting. Only three of the thug crew is left, including Mason. Um, not of the entire thug crew, but of the thug crew that's in the warehouse. Well, one of the, one of the thug um, crew is a guy named Tila, like the lady from He-Man. I don't know Tila, why his Tila. name is that. But yeah. he he's like, okay, this is too much. Like, it's fine when we're selling drugs. But now we're, like, kidnapping people, and you just shot the stupid janitor. So, like, like he, like, beats Mace up, which, by my rules, means he should be the leader of the gang now. But <laughs> I guess that's not how it works, because... Yeah, then there's Bart, who's the guy with the old, the old timey revolver. Uh, the old, yeah. He shoots Tila. He shoots Vicky. And Harry, because Harry has a shotgun. Oh no, he gets shotgunned. Someone shotguns him. Is what I had yeah. written down. Yeah, he does. So yeah, it turns into a big, yeah. Yeah, shootout. It, there's a lot of stuff that happens there, but I, it, at the end, the main point is that Harry and Vicky are dead. That's, that's, and Mace is still. A lot of the thug crew still alive, and we find out that there's a lot more people in the thug crew than we ever knew. Yeah, we're just hanging out at this shitty trailer. Yeah. But you kind of you... like Vicky dying is a big deal to me. Yeah, I because like, you thought that's where it's like that's our final okay, girl. This really isn't a slasher anymore because that's the, that's the final girl, and that's the whole reason that they're gonna keep, you know keep the secret of the share. This is the whole like plot point. Vicky is like a big deal for this movie and now she's dead so okay yeah so once uh, uh, once our sheriff our killer finds out they have no more hold over him i guess I well but... i mean i guess they still well they still know that or well harry's dead so it does that doesn't matter but helga knows that he killed all the girls that's true so. they could still turn him in but so i don't know they still have stuff on each other we'll get to that he has <laughs> she has way more stuff on him than he has on her honestly that's true because she hasn't done anything yet she's just talked about it so Jerry goes to his own house and <laughs> grabs a gun. Not, not just a gun. Like, and here's how you know like, it's yeah, before is, like the assault like rifle ban. Because yeah. he goes and he has a straight up M16 in his house <laughs> and that he just grabs. <laughs> yeah. And like all these cartridges, like guns. And, and I guess he knows where the gang's hangout is in the woods, uh, which I found to be okay. Cool. But I didn't know even why you knew this that whole time. Okay, cool. So he goes out there and um, immediately 
Well, it shows them in, you know, in their little trailer, just t- shooting the shit, talking, and, you know, Mace is being rude to Margaret, whatever. And Jerry puts it, takes off his shirt and puts it in the van's gas tank and then lights it on fire. Yeah. And it blows up. So I guess his plan is to blow their van up so they'll all start coming out and he can shoot them. But it reminded me of, yeah. like, Columbine, but... Um, it's at the point... When he go he goes back to the house and grabs the M16, that I paused the movie because I went, how much? Well, this movie must be longer than I thought because this is a whole other movie we're starting now, and there's yep. 15 minutes left. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Hold on, <laughs> how can there only yeah. be 15 minutes left? There's a lot of unresolved stuff, and now we're gonna go have another gunfight. I don't understand what's happening right now. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. And I was like, this is a whole other movie. And um, so exactly what he thinks is gonna happen happens. Which is why I said it was Columbine, which is an awful reference, but that's what they did. So, or that's what their plan was: was to you know shoot off, have these bombs go off, and then you know kill people as they left the school. So it was kind of his idea. So he starts shooting that, just starts shooting different. Uh, apparently, there's gas cans everywhere, just barrels of gas. <laughs> yeah, it's like a video game. <laughs> there's exploding and, barrels all over the place. So he's a. Uh, blows up one of their cars then he just randomly shoots at some of the others kills them that way one of them uh is on one of them gets gets the where, oh yeah gets in the car and then the gas can drops and he hits that and it blows up everything it blows up the trailer i believe yeah and poor um, margaret poor margaret who i mean look pick, know, your, pick your friends better but she gets blown up and or shot yeah. and her whole existence has just been nice getting told to shut up and sit down like <laughs> She should have got away. I don't know. There's also there's some continuity issues with broken and unbroken windows, where like windows that we saw get shot out, then they aren't the next time we see. But that's I mean, that'll happen in movies like this. But yeah, he wipes out everyone, including Except there's another girl there named Mace. Angel too. Yeah. So he Mace kills two girls. <laughs> Mace gets away. Mace, well, Mace is like gut yeah. shot or leg shot or something. He's... Yeah, he got shot in the leg, and he's running away, which is. I, I, this is a weird subplot that goes on for far too long. But, yeah, um, it takes a Jerry long time. Mace. Yeah. Bearing in mind, there's only 15. Him. There's at this point, there's like 10 minutes left of the movie, and there's this long search yeah. through the woods where Mace is doing this weird. I understand he's shot in the leg, but he should be hopping on one leg or something. But the actor has chosen to do a weird sort of crab walk thing that he's doing to get around, where he's like <laughs> hunched over with his legs wide apart. Like a bow-legged yeah. cowboy, like side yeah. saddling through the wood, like it's very strange looking. Yeah, it's an odd decision. So, I mean, shockingly, Jerry finds him, and um, even though May says he's innocent, I guess about the majorettes is what he's trying to say he's innocent about. He shoots the shit out of him. So Jerry, I assumes he's the hero, where he's not, because that's not the plot of the movie. That is a real weird subplot of the movie. So. I guess like he's a final boy in a way, but of only a subplot in this movie. Right, because I so, don't. It seems to me like Jeff's not even at this point, really even thinking about who is the town slasher. It's that I saw no, you. I saw he you. Like mad. now you've shot Vicky. That I know you did. Yeah. Yeah, and he th- well, and he did think he was the slasher, you know, from before, yeah. and he had killed Judy. So I mean, whatever. So we go back to Helga. Yeah, but hold on. Before that. <laughs> Jeff, yeah, so Jeff has killed Mace now, and he he hunkers down by this tree, and he has the gun, and I swear, the way this shot is set up, and the music is rising, 
it looks for all the world like he this boy is about to put this gun in his mouth and blow his own head off out of like oh it did look like that (laughs) it doesn't happen but that's what i was gearing up for because that's what the shot is setting up for you like the expectation and you're like holy shit i know it's it's in it and i i really hate to bring this up again and i'm sorry if it's a trigger warning for people but like it the columbine thing is something that i've researched extensively and this whole scene just really reminded me of Columbine, just in a different setting, and just sure. everything about it. And so I kind of expected him to kill himself at the end of that because that was, you know, the end of that. And I'm so I am sorry to, to bring that up, but this whole thing really reminded me because I was like, they're just set it. It, it seems like they watched that scene just there almost. I, I wouldn't. I don't know. I I, I, I doubt they watched Majorettes, but <laughs> but it would be a weird decision if he because what. I don't know, like, I don't, just, the shot looks so much like that's what's going to happen that my, my brain should be telling me, why would he do that? He has no reason to kill himself. He shouldn't I feel guilty. I thought he was going to be out of bullets when Mace, because that's what it looked like to me. It was going to be said, he's like, you know, because he said way too much, and usually when they yeah. say a lot to the person they're about to kill, they don't have any bullets left, but whatever. True. No, he killed him good. <laughs> nope, he, he, you know, and he that's, like, And that's the end of that second movie in the movie because now we're We're back to um, so we're back to this uh, to the main plot i guess now that harry and vicky are dead yeah so we're back to helga and elvira helga kills elvira with a i don't know if it's whatever medicine she's giving her she informs her that vicky's dead yeah she she's because she has to tell the whole plot you know she has to talk about the entire plot while she's doing everything yeah she's definitely villain monologuing for sure bad about Vicky's trust fund I wrote um, at least Helga will get all of Elvira's stuff in her inheritance but um she walks away to talk about her plan out loud so Sheriff comes in and hangs her she's that, just that, she's super I, she's I guess the, like that I know there's a guy running around with a knife killing innocent people but Helga is the villain of this movie because oh, yeah, at least but, and, and the whole, at least the sheriff doesn't say shit to you before he kills you whereas Helga yeah, she, as she, she, the like, whole time around. She's injecting Elvira with whatever it is she's going to kill her with, or does kill her and with. And I can't tell. I can't tell if that was a plot device used so they could explain the movie, or if it's a bit of an exposition dump. Yeah, you know, it's just like this will be easy if we just have this bitch to explain everything. But it's happening. also, but she's like taunting Elvira, like, not only am I killing you right now, I, I am happy to inform you that your beloved granddaughter Vicky has been killed. What do you think of and that? And shockingly, <laughs> Elvira has no facial expression. Well, I mean. <laughs> so, um, but, but you know, her outer monologue gives her enough time to not kill Elvira. So the sheriff comes in and hangs her. But he won't purify her because he wants her to go to hell. So he's not going to purify her. Yeah, which is another interesting, you don't really think about it the rest of the movie i mean there's all been all this talk about purification and whatever but you just think it's like his weird kink and it's not kind of for me anyway it wasn't until this moment where he's like oh no you're going to hell i'm just gonna leave you hanging here that yeah, he was he trying said, to do I want you to go to hell he was like you don't deserve it in his head he was doing the girls he killed a favor well and i guess tommy yeah. too was a boy but where he's like these are sinful people, but I'm absolving, and now that they're dead, they get to go to heaven. <laughs> like well, he didn't. Abs- he didn't uh, purify Tommy. Well, that's true. He just killed but, that um, kid. And with the girls, he does say, you know, that you know the reason that he finds them in need of purification is because they turn him on. So it's like it's just your own fault, but okay. Well, I mean that's whatever. 
That's and forever so and always, takes, isn't it? Guys blaming <laughs> women exactly. for getting yeah. turned on. Exactly, yeah. yeah. She shouldn't have worn that. So he's able to take the evidence that he's the killer with him. Yeah, he gets and away with it. I, and then we're left with what to me is the creepiest scene of the movie. The creep, was, yeah, because he, well, he explains people who will think she killed herself after finding out that Harry was the killer yeah. all along. Because he leaves the stuff in the dark room, the outfit. And Jerry's in the hospital, so he lived. And the detective and the sheriff are like, well, cool, and we'll make sure you got exonerated because you got rid of scum. Cool. Bye. Then, yeah, you cut to the creepiest, one of the creepiest things I think of. And, by the way, I just finished watching both versions of Maniac, you know, the 1980 mm -hmm. and the one with Elijah Woods. Both are very creepy. I mean, very, very nasty, dark, dark, gross movies. And this was by far... More creepy because yeah. You have you coach. Can, go ahead. Coach, whatever her name is, is sort of tra training the next. I don't even know if it's the same coach. It might not be. Yeah. Someone. She yeah. just disappeared from this movie, it as did the detective happen. for a while too. Yeah. But there's somebody who's training the next generation of majorettes coming up. These are like little girls. I mean, these are like little girls. I mean, eight it, to twelve year old probably girls. Probably ranging from like six to nine, nine, ten, something like that. They're they're very young. Yeah, and. On the other side of a fence, and he can just do this because he's the sheriff and surely he's up to no harm, <laughs> is just standing there watching them. Like the creepiest creeper who ever creeped a creep. And that's the last thing we see when credits start yeah. and I don't care for it. <laughs> like, leave me with something. I did, I did wonder what happened to Elvira, but I'm sure she just died of old age. But, you know, that that's kind of left up in the wind. But, yeah, the creepiest creep ending... The, this sheriff watching these, I mean, little, little girl, who I yeah, guess his, are already his, starting to turn him on. Yeah, his future victims one day. Yeah. Or so, if he escalates sooner than that, who knows? But he got away with it, and you could maybe make a sequel, but they never did, so, which is fine. And it's not shocking, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't find much information about this movie anyway, so, like, I highly doubt that many people saw I don't, it. I don't even know if it came out in theaters, who knows, uh, but it's, I have no idea. yeah, it's not, like I said, it's not good, but I do, like, the things that I've said, I do find it interesting in ways that a lot of these kind of cookie-cutter slashes from this era can be very samey. This is not samey. This is different than any other slasher you've ever seen because there's this whole other movie tacked on in the middle and a kind of a third movie slapped yeah, in. Like, and... there's so much going on that is not from a slasher movie. That it's, I found that I at least think, interesting. Okay, it's interesting, but I, that, I, I will agree with that. It's interesting. It's not something that I think worked, but it was an interesting thought. It, you know, there, the idea to do this and have these subplots and not have, and you know, turn it on its head at the very end of the movie and oh, it's not really a slasher anymore. Is a cool idea that didn't work. And I, I don't know, you know, it has to do with a lot of things. It's, it, it's poorly acted. Uh, I don't think the cinematography is all that terrible, but um, editing could, be, could have been better. And on top of that, we're talking about 1986, 1987. The, slashers, the slasher craze is, is on its way out. So doing anything cool with a slasher probably isn't going to work anyway. And I mean, but it's shocking because this is only a year after Return of the Living Dead came out, which was a huge hit. And so I don't know how he just went from something like that to something like this. John Russo, I mean. Yeah, definitely a smaller scale 
I mean, it was, uh, the budget was $85,000, apparently, yeah. so that's <laughs> very low. That's true. But yeah, it's, it's not helped by the fact that, like I said, all, the, all of the kills are the same, so it's not... It's not terribly inventive. It's not really bringing anything new other than the wackiness of it being three different movies at the same time. It's not inventive or bringing anything new to slashers. It's just, you know, meh. Kind of dull. Yeah. So I think worth a watch. Just one. <laughs> yeah, worth one watch. And then back relegated to the dustbin of the video store again where it came from. Or the depths of Tubi, as it were. And that's it. Uh, for sure. That is... Yeah. Uh, the Majorettes. It is that time of the episode where I press the magic button to see what next week's movie, chosen completely at random from everything streaming, will be. Pressing the magic button now. <clears throat> next week's movie is Beware of Angels from 2016. It is on, of course, Tubi. What is this? It appears to be a documentary about a Bible study group murder case. Okay. Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. I mean, I've done a documentary before. Probably not one that looks quite as cheap as this. Well. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how much, I don't know how many yuck, yuck, yuck yucks I'll get out of that, but <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Do you, uh, do you rate your, the movies that you do? Uh, not particularly. I usually just say if I liked it or not, but oh, you're okay. welcome to. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. I'd probably give it a two, like a one and a half, probably out of five, maybe. I've seen worse. I've definitely seen worse, but yeah, and there is. It's just it's a it's a confusing. It's it's just so fucked. It, 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 the whole movie is just like, what is going on? Like, I mean, what kind when this when John Russo or yeah, because he wrote it, right? Yeah, yeah, he wrote and produced wrote and produced it. When he wrote it, like, what was he thinking? Like, would, was he just confused on what kind of movie he wanted to make? Or what did he like? I don't. It's just okay. Well, he based it is off. This a thriller. He, he based it off what? a book that he wrote. Right. So exactly. he might have had to condense so much stuff down. Maybe it all makes sense and works better in the book. But when you have to trim it all so down to an hour parts. and a half, yeah, yeah, who knows? I'd love. To, to I'd say. actually like to read the book and see if it makes more sense that way. But I assume that's kind of pretty hard to find. So. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so. So what's your movie next week again? I'm sorry. No, no problem. Uh, yeah, Beware of Angels on Tubi from 2016. Some sort of maybe true crime documentary. But it says documentary and it also says science fiction. So I don't know what to think. Well, Because it can't be both. <laughs> no, it can't. no, it can't be. But we'll see. So that's everyone's homework <laughs> for next week should you choose to accept it. Thank you very much, Emily. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm excited for Gag to come back. Uh, I'm hoping everybody listening to this goes and listens. It's a, a great, fun show. Where can people find you and the show out there on the uh, um, socials and our, whatnot? Uh, main, our main place is our Instagram, and our handle is Gag Me With A Knife Podcast. And it's the same on the Slasher app, if you have the Slasher app. And um, from the bio in both the Slasher app and on Instagram... You can find our link tree, and it has a bunch of different ways to listen to the show. But, I mean, you can basically get on any platform and search for Gag Me With a Knife, and you'll find it because it's on pretty much everything that people listen to. So, But uh, our Instagram, we need more followers. And we're out, well, I mean, I would like more followers. So. <laughs> Look us up. 
We'll see what we can do. Uh, I am at HeathLambert78 on Twitter. The show is That's So Random P2. The show has an email address, That's So Random Pod at gmail.com for all of your questions and complaints. And uh, oh, yeah, we have a we have a Gmail too, uh, gagging with five podcasts at Gmail, but I barely ever give it out because I don't get any emails. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people don't write. I mean, I, I had I had just enough to do kind of a mailbag episode a couple weeks ago, but unless you're a big, big show, people don't take the time to write emails to a podcast. Um, no, no, no. Artwork for the show by Joe Humphrey, who's at Mr. Joe Humphrey on Twitter. Go check out his stuff. Yeah, slash your app. I'm glad you mentioned that's where I found your show and I found uh, a number of shows cool and app. guests for my show from there. It's a really cool app. Everyone should get it. It's just, uh, I think you just just search for Slasher on your app store. Yeah, if my really listeners, cool. if my listeners were not convinced when I had Damon, who created Slasher, on an episode, uh, a number of guests that I've had since then or people that I met or found on Slashers. So it's a great place to hang out. Good people join up to that as well. If this is your kind of thing. Uh, Any final thoughts from you? I think I've said all I need to say. Oh, I'm good. Uh, You know, bizarre movie. (laughs) Yes, bizarre is is a very good description. Uh, Yeah, all right. Well, so that'll do it for me this week. Uh, Everyone have a safe and healthy week. Till we talk again take that time to go listen to gagging with a knife podcast and yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> yeah there's a plenty of old episodes you can catch up on and get acquainted before uh, before the new guy comes aboard so yeah and you'll like him too so he's a, it's a different vibe but it, it'll be good excellent well you're obviously the, the linchpin that is holding it together so oh yeah mm-hmm we'll see i guess we'll see when it comes back (laughs) well i'm excited so that'll do it for me this week on behalf of myself and emily everybody have a good week and we will see you back here next week for beware of angels and we'll see how that goes bye everybody see ya